So really excited. Episode 43 of Ad Creative. We have Adam Robinson here. He is the founder and CEO of retention.com. You, if you haven't seen him on the social platforms, I really question what you're doing and where what you've been interacting <laughs> with. Adam, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule. Excited to chat. You're welcome, Chase. I'm happy to be here and happy to shoot the breeze a little bit. Yeah. So one thing that's really nice is a lot of times you have to research for these podcasts and dig a little bit to figure out what to talk about or questions to ask. I don't have to dig because I interact with all of your content already. <laughs> so before we get into all this stuff, what does retention.com do? What is See, the that, what elevator? You know, it's, it's like funny that you mentioned that immediately after saying that you watch all my content, because one of the things that I get a lot of pushback heat, whatever yeah. from is like, it's kind of like everybody in the ecosystem knows about retention.com. Nobody knows what you actually do. Because none of my content is about it. Yeah. It's about putting this business together and like how yeah. my life has changed since we decided to like really go for it or whatever. Yeah. But I'm working on changing that now because mm. I think it's, there, there's like this kind of great top of funnel effect that happened. And then there was like nothing in the middle. And then we have aggressive sales at the bottom, right? Mm. Like we're working on filling in the middle now. Some of it's going to come out of me. Some of it's going to come out of like, but anyway, here's what we do. Primarily big Shopify stores. Like I'd say 3 million and above. If you're on plus, you're probably a good fit. If you're not on plus 3 million and above, you're probably a good fit. We have two products. Both of them use identity as the core technology. And we have several different ways of identifying users on websites. But the idea is we know how to identify people who hit your site and leave without giving you any information. It has two main use cases. One, if they hit your site and leave, we can capture an email address. We can basically clean it like crazy, make sure it's safe to email, and then put it in your Clavy account and you can start sending newsletters mm. to these people. And that is a fairly cold contact. There's a lot of intent because they're on your website, but that person is still going to need several touches mm. to move. Ryan from Blendjet has been a customer for several years. His average days to purchase on an email from us is 60. His average days to purchase on an opt-in is like seven. But mm. Strangely, the repeat purchase rate is the same. It just takes longer. It's like, yeah, there's this whole deal where you're being aggressive on what you're putting in. You have to be very aggressive on who you take out. But what's left is a body of email that is can grow much faster than your opt-ins can, but performs the same. Yeah. You just have to be very stringent on what you're doing. Yeah. So like that product's called Grow. It can generally grow your email list. If you use it for two years, you'll have five times the emails you did. We would have given you like 20 times, but you would have unsubscribed a ton yeah. of non-engagers after two emails. Yeah. The other product is called Reclaim and everybody's got a cart abandonment setup. Everybody's got a product abandonment setup. Hopefully if you don't set it up, we can use the same identity technology to expand the audience of recipients to basically people. So the problem that solves is the only people you're sending card abandonments to are logged into the website, which is unknown to most Shopify stores. This authentication problem is massive. It's getting that. way fucking worse yeah. with Apple is clamping down. They made another change seven days ago. Mm. The average third-party cookie life on a Safari user is somewhere between 24 hours and seven days. Oh. That means if someone, in some cases, if someone looks at a product, puts it in their cart, 
and they do it again in three days, like Clavio doesn't know that person to send the second oh, flow. It's cool. wild. So cool. we do all sorts of stuff to help. One of the things we do is we can lay first party cookies down on people, which they're not cracking down. They're cracking down on nuanced first party cookies that they feel are gaming their system. This is not a conversation that needs to be had, yeah. but they'll last forever. And the way we're doing it, it's from authentications, from purchases, from whatever. So perfectly accurate will last forever. And then that will run a cookie pool for somebody. So that audience becomes fantastic over time yeah. as, as more and more cookies get laid down. And then we do the other stuff that we do, which is like identifying people from interactions with different publishers yeah. or whatever. So that is what we do. We're working on some other products that address this cookie fatigue problem. So it's not just with email. Facebook is not getting events because of cookie fatigue. They're not getting conversions. Even if you use the conversion API, mm. they do pretty well with purchases, but they do horribly with card abandonment because they don't have an email for that person yet. If someone purchases, Shopify has that email. Yeah. But if they're not logged in and they bail on the cart, Shopify has no way, even in the conversion API, of getting that to Facebook. Yeah. So all of these middle of the funnel yeah. events, we can use this first party cooking strategy to feed the beast. Yeah. And then it's not only making modeling easier, it's actually giving Facebook, if you just forget about this AI bullshit, right? Yeah. Like some of it's not, but I think a lot of it is. It's like Facebook used to, via their conversion pixel, never blocked. They used to be able to just say, okay, here's a group of people that put something in their cart and yep. didn't buy. I'm yep. going to show them an ad. Now yep. they can't do that. So we can take this first party cookie audience and just stick it into Facebook and Facebook can be like, oh, there's my best audience again. Yeah. I'm going to show them an ad. Yeah. It's no more complex than that, in my opinion. We're yeah. trying to make like a free product that yeah. basically for everyone that's click this button and watch your event quality score go up. Yeah. And then that should filter through to ads. So that would be like, mm -hmm. hopefully we get 250,000 stores on that. And then yeah. maybe it's like for 99 bucks a month, yeah. it works for Twitter and Gmail or whatever. It's like, if you want to use it for email, you got to have over 3 million in revenue, 250 mm -hmm. a month. And that's the value ladder into the rest of the yeah. product. That's a plan right now. Yeah. Who knows if it's going to work out. So it's really interesting you bring this up. I was talking to someone about this. I said, it's interesting. Just I'll use B2B as an example. But you have down market and companies that are doing that well are having some success or able to build their business. And you have up market and that's doing really well. But the middle class deal is having a really tough time. If you're in that, say, above $500, but below $5,000, like in that range, it's like, I'm not cheap enough to help these people, but I'm not so expensive that the enterprise, like it, it doesn't make sense to even go through procurement, like that whole process. And so same thing totally. goes for Facebook ads, right? They had this whole middle class of customers who was actually making all of your CPAs look good, ROAS look great, everything because there wasn't this wall, right? They had all the, they had most of the information. And so being able to pass that back and forth is really important. I think that's an incredible, totally. incredible. And, and by the way, so I look at it as, there's some problems with our company. Yeah. Like this non-opt-in email thing is not a multi-billion dollar entity. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Clavio doesn't like it. Like bigger companies aren't going to like doing it. Yeah. So I see this is like a recent sort of epiphany with us that we can yeah. get into this game of tracking anonymous and known users and like passing events to all the platforms, yeah. email and paid. 
And that to me is like CDP for the masses. Yes. Like these big enterprise CDPs showed up and and Nike can do this, right? Like they're tracking everyone everywhere. They're unifying profiles. They're like tracking users and what they looked at before they capture an email address to send them on the right journeys. Yeah. But this is not a small business use case. There was no need. So the CDPs are like huge or they're clunky. They're hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, but Mm -hmm. they can do this and they are doing this. But only recently with this cookie fatigue, has there been a real reason to have a CDP for the masses? Yeah. And I think that is the next five years of our company. Yeah. It's like we got to where we were off of this like weird spammer strategy that like yeah. happened to be amazing for Shopify stores, yeah. unbeknownst to me until nine months ago. And then it's just clear that we now have a thousand customers in this universe who are all, they all need this other service, yeah. which has just appeared in the last year or so because Apple's getting so crazy on this cookie thing. Yeah. And that is a really interesting that's in my opinion, is like an ecosystem level play in Shopify. Yeah. Like, yeah it's yeah. like, we could be like the Clavio of this. It's like this thing that you put on top of Clavio that Clavio's, by the way, we can shift reclaim right now. Half of the money comes from non-opt-in people. Half of it yeah. comes from cross device, which is on mm-hmm. your list. If we just pull that non-opt-in audience out yeah. and replace it with this first party cookie audience, which we didn't know about until a month ago, like the brands make more money on the flows. So like we can make that product totally above board. Yeah, slowly phase out of this growth thing and get into this events game. And that's, there's no hair anymore. Yeah. Everyone's going to need it. If we can make the price right, everyone will use it. I'm excited about it. So one thing you just mentioned something that I'm really passionate about, which is you get an idea, right? So you've talked about this very openly. Like you had get emails and you had stalled out, right? And you're like, okay, we want to go to the next level. So I want to talk about first, like the mentality shift, the things you guys did in the business. But the second thing you just mentioned that I think is a, maybe the, is a two-parter is we're building this thing and we now see that this is the biggest opportunity, but this got us here. And I think a lot of people double down on the thing that got them there without recognizing that it's not going to get you there because maybe they don't have, because you said, I want to build a unicorn in public. This is the call to arms you have. You're going to do this thing. You're going to do it in a certain amount of time. Does having essentially put a target, and you're not putting a target on your back, but you've essentially said, hey, look, I am doing this thing and been big and bold about it. Has that made you have to speed up the process with which you look for new opportunities and or figuring out if like the kind of core business is going to be the business that gets you to that number that you, you promised that you're going to do? Yeah, th- this is such a great conversation. So if you follow my content, there's this man named Santosh who's like in the process of becoming our full-time COO who he built Zoom Info. He like showed up at Apollo.io when they were totally stuck at 5 million in revenue for seven years. And he left when they raised at a billion dollar valuation. Sequoia led it. And now they're at like hundreds of millions of revenue. And just he, he's worked with 20 B2B companies and for the right person in their hero's journey, like he shows up as the wizard. He like unlocks this mental transformation and makes people realize they can just do much bigger things than they thought. Yeah. And if you ask him, so he's worked with, like I said, 20 B2B companies. And he's like, it's really interesting because it's been this, it's the same industry and they're largely selling the same people to the same thing to the same people but they have wildly disparate outcomes. So he's like, I love looking at what they're doing in the teams and trying to figure out 
Why? And I'm so interested in how this guy thinks that we're actually writing a book together about his view on all of this stuff. It's super unsurprisingly, he's maybe it's surprising, maybe it's not. He's the mindset of the team is literally everything. And he's, I have seen that generally it is either founder owned companies or people that have taken venture, but they came up with a mousetrap that was so good that they're effectively founder owned. The venture guys are concentrating on other things where, yeah. where there are problems. Cause he's, it gives you with that, you can spend time on these crazy things that yeah. No one who had a financial interest in your business and was expecting an outcome, outcome anytime soon would allow you to do, right? Even if they have a minority stake, they would be saying, this is crazy. But, yeah. Because he's, you, need, he's, you need to be doing things that have the potential to be an S-curve. So like nothing, a thousand X, and then they flatten yeah. out again. And then when you're on that upward trajectory, which is where we were with this thing with the Shopify universe, it's like, oh, here's an S-curve. Like yeah. now we're like, what is the next one? And we have a couple bets. We think there's a really good B2B product that we can do, which is like someone's on a high intent page of a B2B website. We can ping the CRM immediately and basically say, call this person, which Ooh. is valuable. And then we can also like the intent. So one of the things you said that was interesting about there's like enterprise software and there's SMB and the middle is hard. He believes the middle's hard because sales teams exist in the US. And to pay people in American dollars, you have to sell a 30K bottom tier deal. So part of our thing is like, can we just go to all these companies that he's like really familiar with the intent data market? Mm. It's like Bombora won't sell to you for less than 40 grand. But with what I described to you, plus full access to Bombora for $1,000 a month, I feel like every B2B company would do that. I do. Like who's not, who can't afford Bombora for 30 grand? And he talked to him two days ago and they're like, dude, yeah, so long as you agree to not sell to SAP or whatever, like we don't want to bother with that. So it's like coming up with a go-to-market engine that can do that, which is where we are. We have yeah. a 500,000, 2,500 and $5,000 a month. Yeah. Like it just has to be fast. It has to be somewhat low touch. And if you can do that, your competition is almost nothing because yeah. you typically can't run a sales operation with those ACVs. Yeah. So anyway. Another thing that he said, besides founder-owned, was usually it's people very early in their career. The Apollo.io guys were in their 20s. Mm. Or it's someone who has been successful this way for their entire career, and they're later in their career. He's like, where a lot of people get stuck is they crushed it in their 20s doing this thing, and they won't do anything else. Because he's what makes these teams very successful is they appreciate the fact that every situation is completely different. Mm. Nothing that worked in one place will work in another place. Maybe there is inspiration to be drawn, but it is not prescriptive. And he's like surprising the amount of people that get stuck doing this one thing. Yeah. Because it is just throwing spaghetti against the wall. And Actually, I don't think it's so surprising. Like this, this idea is, and I'm going to get into like personal psychology a little bit, but like a psychologist will tell you every person finds a winning formula to either protect themselves or win, right? Yep. So it's like fight or flight. And so there's the flight version, like, oh, I don't want to get into an argument. I'm going to just Irish exit this situation. Or fight, hey, look, this is the way I've won. So for instance, we talk about sometimes my dad, like he's a pretty successful businessman. His is like just grind no matter yeah. what. He's 65. You shouldn't be grinding the way you were grinding when you were 35, right? 
the way when you're 65. Your mind is stronger. So use your mind to win the game. And so I think that 100% happens where when something isn't going your way, like you said, you're on the S curve, you're on the bottom slope of it. Like, dude, like I got to do this exact same thing rather than no, let's first principles. These things work, but it is a different market. It is a different thing that we're trying to do to go from, say, 20 million to 50 million. That's a hard, that's a harder thing to, to, that's a hard, that's a bigger chasm to cross, if you will. Totally. I don't actually think it's that surprising. I think the, what would be surprising is someone recognizing it because people just get right. tight totally. with the way that they're, the way that they're thinking. So I think it's such yeah. a, it's a re- really salient point that he's making though. And he's anyone who is capable of, this mentality, I find it very easy to work with. Mm. Anyone who doesn't, who is not capable of it, it's like I'm banging my head against the wall and yeah. they won't try anything. Yeah. It's, and he has this other amazing thing. He's okay, so first it was the phone book, then it was done in Bradstreet. It was yeah. like taking people to dinner and selling 100,000 to a million dollar data deals. Yeah. Then Zoom Info came in and they had an inside sales team that was super fast. Then they moved up market and they were ignoring SMB. That's where they started. And then right before COVID, Apollo, Lucia, whatever, PLG, freemium, $99 a month for the same shit. Yeah. He's like, there is always innovation to be had like that in yeah. any market. He's like, I could think of five ways in B2B to do it right now. You're never stuck. You can all, and I counter him by saying, I walked through, like I, I competed in the email marketing. So like Clavio, MailChimp, Constant Contact. So like- yeah. Constant Contact created in 1996 or something, 98. Yeah. Like email newsletter app, whatever. MailChimp came along, freemium in 2008. Like they started in 03, went freemium in 2008 for 90% of the market. No one even knew how hard they were crushing Constant Contact. Constant Contact sold for a billion. MailChimp ended up selling for 12 and a half, totally yeah. bootstrapped. Yeah. Clavio, when it looked like the game had been won, got the tailwind of the Shopify thing. And just mm-hmm. really, they taught the agencies how to add this business line. With commission, their product is just amazing. They're savages. They're world dominators. And it just amazingly, they created another monopoly. Yeah. When it looked like MailChimp was the monopoly. I had a really hard time competing in that market because I wasn't one. We came up with this thing where we were stealing customers from constant contact, but it ran out and we got to 3 million revenue. And so that was a double-edged sword because it was a very broad product. It wasn't niche. I wasn't a blogger. I wasn't an e-commerce guy. Yeah. So it was like very hard to niche down. You'd look at your best customer and there were none. Yeah. Like it was really hard. So yeah. that's where I got into this identity stuff. I was like, oh, like I was trying to do for years something MailChimp wasn't doing. Yeah. Because I was like, that's how you win. Yeah. yeah. In a way they can't replicate. And it turns out this identity stuff they can't do because they're in this self-regulatory deliverability organization. They get kicked out if they sell data. I'm like, cool. I'm the guy who's going to sell data. Yeah. So Thought it was going to grow the email marketing app. It didn't. People wanted the identity app. They didn't want the email marketing app. Sold that. Did this. Took off. Great. But like the Santosh guy is, dude, you need to be, it's, you have to stop. There is so much reason to try to be the globally dominant company in your space. Category defining. He's every dollar you spend. If you are the number one, yields $3. If you're number two, it yields $1. It just... It's not winner take all in the sense that, yeah, if you're an entrepreneur, you can survive. You'll have a nice house. You'll have a nice car. But if you're just a little bit better to the point where you get this compounding effect that the number two doesn't have, you're a fucking billionaire, right? So you might as well try to do that. So like behaving in a way that is divorced with revenue, but 
centered around making yourself impossible to compete with is this guy's mantra. Dude. Be the 800-pound gorilla. Make it to where it's impossible for someone to exist in the space that you're in. And not burning dough is like a big part of it, right? Being profitable is, Clavia's profitable the whole time. Like they raised a bunch of money, a bunch of it was secondary, but they were making more money than they spent. So to a large extent, they they controlled their own destiny. Like they had leverage with investors, like they still do. Yeah. This guy, AB, has over 51% voting share in the thing. Yeah, he's still the boss. They behave globally, they behave like a dominant business. No one can compete with them, you know? Two questions off of that. First one. So I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm getting the telephone version of it, right? What is it like sitting there saying, dude, I did this whole fucking thing and you weren't around. Like I built this fucking thing. I'm going to, no matter what, like I'm going to have a great life. If I sold this company today, I would never need it to work again in my life. It's just fact. It's a fact, right? But I don't want to be that. I want to be the 800 pound gorilla. But I'm sitting here saying, well, shit, man, this is incredible information. And it's like, I'm getting the TLDR version, not the, hey, he's, we're writing a book together version, right? So the counter to that is to be an entrepreneur and win, there, ha- there is a certain amount of ego that goes into it. You have to believe that you are fucking, like just, I know what we're going to need to do to get to the next level. So I'm curious because I think this is a really interesting one. And the best entrepreneurs that I have interacted with have a healthy amount of ego, but it's again, best idea wins. And I just want to win. That is literally the only thing I care about. And so I don't know, how did it strike you? Because obviously you accelerated really fast. Like you said, you sold this, you built this based on these ideas that you, that all coalesced and you ramped right to 20 million. Yeah. yeah, But I had three epic fails in between getting here, three epic fails, even with this company. Yeah, I got super excited about this product that we call, it was called get emails in the beginning. And then we had this other product get openers and like, we very quickly, I was like, you know, in August of the second year, I was like, by January, this is going to be 50% of our revenue. We had four or five people paying us 50 K a month. It was amazing. Then it was basically like selling real-time data to people when other, when people were clicking on some other email in their inbox so that they could hit them right then. And we had a bunch of people trying it out and it seemed like they liked it. Then the Apple opener thing happened and it basically cooked. It made it work half as well. And then everybody turned off. Yeah. I don't know what's working until it's work. That's why I like talk about this stuff we're working on right now. I'm like, it, like it's 75% looks like it's what I'm saying, what, yeah. what I'm talking about, but I'm not just, this is the direction that we're, I'm still saying, I think, yeah. I hope or whatever. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that this might mm. be the path forward, but dude, wrong yeah and it'll be something else yeah but like the what's so great about santosh is he refuses to let you not think bigger so picture this guy yeah i had just i convinced him so i talked to him once i got hooked up through a private equity contact of mine because i was trying to figure out the enterprise landscape for what we were doing i'm like looking at live ramps website they don't even talk about it and i have theories of why but i want to understand really why what are they selling who are they selling it to why aren't they talking about it like I'm talking about? And so this private equity context, I don't know if this guy's going to know, but this guy Santos, I think you, re- I think he'll really enjoy talking to you and you really, really enjoy talking to him. And then I looked at his LinkedIn and I'm just like, holy shit. Like this guy is like a G he's yeah. like really yeah. done a bunch of cool shit. And then 
I talked to him and I was like, oh man. Like he was CEO of another company. I'm like, man, yeah. if I can get this guy to work for us somehow, like the whole thing will have changed. Yeah. Like I went home to yeah. my wife. So I hit him up again. He's like, dude, I don't know how I can help, but I'll talk to you again. And then I was like, I don't need you to work for us full time, but if you can just like show me the direction to run in, like I'll run harder than anybody. I've just yeah. never scaled a company like this, but look at how fast it's growing. We only have one salesperson. We're not doing any marketing. Yeah. Like surely you could build a unicorn out of this or at least something like it. And he sort of, he's okay. He's like, this is really interesting. He loves the stage of like single digit AR for a SaaS and getting yeah. it to a hundred million, which yeah. is so crazy, so yeah. valuable. And he just, it's there's crazy. no systems, there's no problems yet. Like he just loves all of the messiness and like imposing excellence on it yeah. as he calls it. He's cool. I'll do it. I'll consult for a year. I'll spend three hours a, a day and I'm wor working my way out of this other gig anyway. And if I like it after a year, then I'll join full time. Yeah. And two weeks in, he's eight hours a day. Like, yeah. <laughs> like just, and he's like, that's how you know. It like pulls you in. He's got seven direct reports and all this stuff. And we have this executive offsite. He's like, we should do an executive offsite every two weeks or every two months. So we show up and this dude does this presentation and he's saying these things. He's I'm like, I, like he's so, I was literally, the feeling I had was like, I've never been in a room with someone this ambitious like yeah. the purpose our purpose is to d eliminate competitors not to compete like to, can you imagine and he's talking about my fucking company right yeah. i'm just like oh my god like this is the greatest day of my life yeah. like the just like your blood is boiling afterwards yeah. but it's like in a really not greedy way either yeah, yeah. it's like like you hear these stories about bill walton this guy whatever it's yeah. like he wants his competitor to be at their best, right? Yeah. This is the ethos this guy operates with. And yeah, I mean, it, look, we probably hired too many people. We probably went too fast. We got a bunch of mixed signals. It was euphoric in March. And then we had a shitty period in April, May, and it looks like it's turning again. But yeah. like, just the working with a guy with this type of mindset, yeah, who has seen it all, good, bad, ugly, great, average, whatever. And then the entire time he's just, he's, you guys have the mindset, like, yeah, you are going to be successful at this. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's this or like the next thing or the third thing you guys are exactly the team yeah. that keeps trying stuff until it's huge, which one of the other things that he said, which I really related to is a lot of the teams don't feel like they deserve that type of success, hmm. which I was a wall street guy. I read a bunch of four hour work week, 37 signals rework. I was captivated by this idea of having six employees making a million dollars living in aspen in the winters yeah. fucking around with a backpack or whatever did it for a while it's fine it's great glad i did it but i had always thought about myself as like a lifestyle entrepreneur that was just what nobody else was doing it that way i was going to make better and better lifestyle businesses i would be laughing because i'd be making 15 million dollars a year when all these yeah. like, vc guys are whatever is learning out and he just spending time with these guys this guy i'm like oh like <laughs> A, it's like way more fun to be all in and yeah. going as big as you can go, right? Yeah. It's just, it's, it attracts everybody. And like part of this charade that I'm doing, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen, but you make a show called Billion Dollar Challenge and all of a sudden every single investor in require, like that's the anchor. Right. <laughs> 750 is a fail. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, great. <laughs> like everybody that's involved, like that is what they're working for.
Yeah. And I don't even care. Like, yeah. it's just a thing. It's, I just wanted to use billion in the title because it's so like attention oh, getting and gnarly now. Through. Completely cuts yeah. through. Yeah. So yeah, this is the journey that I am on and what makes me tick in this. It's definitely, it's like a real, it's like a real transformation in how much I care and how much I'm going for it, but it's not like I'm staying in the office till midnight every night either. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got family. Um, yeah. kid. What? Okay, <clears throat> so out of that, so I have a business question, but I'll ask that second because we just got to like the personal side. You talked about growing lifestyle businesses. And I think, like you said, oh, I'll be laughing when I'm making 15 million and these VC fuckers are like sweating because they've raised a too high valuation and they're just trying to make sure that they get the next set of money and not having a down round. This is dagger in the heart. What has it been like shifting from, hey, I'm going to have a lifestyle business, I'm going to enjoy myself, I have, I'm married, I have a kid, and saying, okay, no, I'm going to go all in on this thing. And I guess the part B of that question, have you found it more fulfilling, even though it's, like, it's objectively harder? Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Like? The answer is absolutely yes. And... The lows are lower. There was a couple of weeks in April where I was just like, man, like, what have I done? Like, why? Yeah. Like, why did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make like $6 million this year. And now I'm yeah. going to make nothing. Yeah. And this thing just stopped. Once yeah. I got everybody hired and trained up, like it's not moving anymore. Yeah. But like my wife would tell you, I think she thinks that it's better for our family because I'm so into what I'm doing during the day. Yeah. yeah. It's like just, she, I think she thinks it's, nicer to be around somebody who's inspired by what they're doing yeah. and just really getting the most out of their life in that regard yeah um 100%. yeah i think it's a basic human value that like the heart like i listened to this coach john wooden book i think it's just called wooden but like it's yeah. this guy was incredible but yeah he wasn't incredible he was incredible because of the basketball coach that he was, but the reason they did so well is because he was so uncompromising in his basic human values, right? Mm -hmm. They practice two hours a day, but every single ounce of every single participant was left in that practice field, yeah. practice gym, every single day that they practiced. Yeah. And if that was not happening, they fucking stopped. Yeah. Please go home. If yeah. it wasn't all that they could give, right? Mm -hmm. And that was like generally his philosophy. He's, I won 10 championships in 14 years. I would consider some of the years we didn't win it. And he's like coached for 50 or something like that. Yeah. He's, was I not as, he's like, all of the winnings were at the end. Was I not a successful coach before that? He's like, no, I think there were teams. You can only do the best with what you have. He's, I think I had teams that did better for who they were and they tried harder than the national championship teams. Yeah. And he's like, I consider myself a more successful coach for getting that out of them those years than when we won the national championships. So yeah. I think that's the essence of what going for it does for you as a person. And I think people find that attractive. It's easier to hire people who are like-minded and like whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's great. No, my wife always, she jokes around, she's like, you wake up with lightning bolts shooting out of your ass. You're so excited yeah. to get moving every single day. She's like, I just want to feel like that. Join me. Let's, it's a oh. great, incredible, yeah, it's really incredible feeling. Like I know a lot of people who, yeah, 
I know a lot of people who share that just by virtue of having friends who are also entrepreneurs or really into their jobs. Like yeah. I, yeah, it's so sad when I think about the fact that yeah. not even some, like most people most. are just sort of doing Going it because they have to, and they're just yeah. not, they're yeah. not into it like this it's like part so of the reason i want to do the show is like i wanted to chronicle this for myself it's such an interesting 100%. part of my life i'm going through because you know who you are before you have who society perceives you as yeah. before you have created a unicorn and after is totally different yeah. so i wanted to just like chronicle the transformation of like me walking around at these trade shows and stuff right yeah. and how differently it is at the end of it than it was at the beginning you're going to start having turtlenecks. You're going to wear glasses, even though you don't need yeah, them. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be. I hope yeah. not, but we'll see, right? Yeah. You never know. No, it's, I think, like you said, or you wrote something, I think it was yesterday, or you were talking about it, the five people you hang around. It's, it's an old adage. You, you are the sum yeah. of the five people you hang around most. And there's, there's the business, there's the personal. But I really believe that. And it, it's also the five people you consume the most content from. And I go through peaks and valleys where I'll be really tactical about the stuff that I consume. And then I'll go into like a different stage of, I need some personal development and I'll focus yeah. on those things. And you can feel the different ways of how that like impacts your business decisions and what you're looking at. In this transformation that you've gone through over the last couple of years, has the circle that you've, you have been around changed or is it the same people that you were around before? Because obviously you're talking about Santosh. I know you're buddies with Dave over at, over at Jasper. Was Dave a friend from before? Is it someone like over the course of this has become like a, a confidant and someone that you rely on? What's so that like? like? I probably talk to Dave twice a month. They just don't yeah. come to the office much. Yeah. But he's the reason why I'm, he was the first person that made me realize this was possible. Where's my phone? So you haven't heard this story, but I have been sharing an office with them. They started Jasper two and a half years ago. I've been sharing an office yeah. with them for four years. They were fucking stuck beyond. So at the time they started Jasper, I had two businesses that were around yeah. 250K MR and seven total employees. And it was just cash flowing. Thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Dave, they were at like 220 MRR. They were burning 50 grand yeah. a month. They were about to run out of cash. And I have all of these texts from around that time about what they were going to do. It was a company called Proof. They were like, I yeah. think we should sell it for $4 million. We have $2 million to pay back to investors. Each of the founders will get 400 grand. We're going to start a restaurant, right? Yeah. And I'm like, guys, like, like I kind of went through my first company. I like had a bunch of salespeople. We ran out of leads. We scaled down to six people. And then it was actually like a good life. Anne was managing yeah. it as GM. I was trying to figure out what was next. I was just traveling. But I'm like, dude, like, you know how to get a company to here. Like, you should just do another one. And if you do three of them, like, which what I was trying to do another one at the time, if you do four, then you're like a million MRR. And if you only have 20 employees, like you're at a really good spot, right? You're living awesome. Yeah. COVID hadn't happened in one super expensive year yet. And yeah. so my company was called Get Emails, right? Yeah. And we had thought that we had figured out that the thing to do was there were these kind of like nerds that had this technology that couldn't sell. So yeah. if you could build on top of that, this, this, go to market engine or whatever, find a few way people to do it for it. And it's good luck. So my company was called get emails. This says it's a picture of a Stripe receipt. First paying customer had the idea seven days ago. Hopefully this is my get emails. This is what Dave said. 
This yeah. fucking Jasper. Yeah. Oh, dude, nice. Wait, want to hear about what it is tomorrow? That's great. What I'm talking about, seven day turnaround. So we were like, yeah. let's just try anything. And then that was December 29th, 2020. They got their, like, one year later, 2021, they were at 60 million AR and they raised $200 million at a 1.5 B. Yeah. They took 25 off each. So I watched that happen. And like, even if I heard this on a podcast, yeah. I wouldn't have thought it applied to me. Yeah. There's this podcast that I think about, like it was the Twitch guys. Yeah, yeah. So the Twitch guys have this great story. And then the girls, do you think that you're lucky? He's, I don't know. He's, I'm not a genius, but my brother lives with me and he just sold his company to Ford for a billion dollars. It was Cruise, the self-driving yeah. car. So he's like, that's two of us in the same house and he's i'm not a genius <laughs> like this yeah. is not representative of like where we fall in like aptitude in society he's what i would say is i think that doing this is like accruing lotto tickets which is very much like the s-curve philosophy of santosh right if you're just sitting up there throwing spaghetti against a wall like you have the it's just not out of the question to have one of these outcomes yeah. and i heard that and it still didn't feel like it applied to me I related yeah. to it, but I'm like, that's, but then I watched Dave do it. Like they were coming in the office every day back at the other place we were in. And I was sitting on one side of it and the six of them were sitting on the other side of it. And I just would walk over there every day and be like, where are you at now? And he's like, like 1.7 million MR. He's like, got 2 million MR. It's like 3 million MR. It's like, holy shit, man. It's insights leading this like $200 million fundraise. Now we're yeah. hiring all these great people. And then I talked to this amazing dude they hired to be their Santosh. And yeah. at the time I had six employees and 8 million ARR and no marketing spend. And the guy's like, dude, you're not trying hard enough. Like you got to hire, like you got to hire some more salespeople. What do you mean you only have one sales? It's fucking, I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. Like your cost, it's like you're, you think you're like cash flush or he's like, you're, you are costing yourself immeasurable amounts of money if you do not try mm -hmm. to make this huge. So mm -hmm. then it started me on this search for, I didn't know Santosh was possible. I like did this dance with this yeah. other guy for a couple of months, wasn't the right guy. And then Santosh is, I think Shane's perfect for Dave. Like Santosh is perfect yeah. for me in this yeah. time and place. And it's just, I, n yeah, something about this path the last couple of years, it's like Dave started the transition. He yeah. made me realize it was, I, cause Dave and these texts are, it's, we are doing this, right? Yeah, yeah. And then oh. what he was working on was, oh, I'm going to get one there now. Yeah, 100%. you know, I'm not sure it's going to be as quick yeah. as that, but that is not out of the question. These guys didn't go to Stanford; they uh, were from fucking Maryland. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's such a, it's an important one. I don't think, I don't say it. This sounds ridiculous, but young people don't think about this much. Which is, hang around. You hang around enough killers, you'll become one yourself. You hang around yes. enough people with big enough vision, you will have big vision yourself. You hang around enough people who are hustlers, you'll become a hustler yourself. It, success begets success, failure begets failure. And having, for instance, like you said, you were looking for your version, your, like Santosh was your version of who Dave had. If you hadn't have met that guy, you wouldn't know you needed your Santosh, totally. right? It's like totally. it, all of yeah. these things like happen through osmosis, but you have to, I try to tell this to, and again, I say young people, but just anyone in general, like you have to be maniacal about building your circle around you because all of those people have something to teach you. Forget like taking things from them, but just being yeah. in their presence. There's so yeah. many of you. So like, I don't come from a finance background, right? I'm like a filmmaker by trade, yeah. learned marketing, growth marketing, et cetera. 
So the content I started consuming was growth marketing content. I saw people were making a lot more money there than just in straight like yeah. brand and social marketing. Okay, yeah. you go and you do that. Now you start hanging out with some growth marketers. Oh, okay, these guys are interesting. These are the, the mid-level people. Let me go hang out with VPs and CMOs. Oh shit, these guys are different. I'll start thinking like that. Oh, wow. Let's go start hanging out with these CEOs of these companies. Oh, they think differently. Oh, let's talk to bootstrap people. Let's talk to venture people. Wow, now you, the, the aperture of what's possible yeah. opens up immeasurably and you start being able to see oh we are all the same they call me for advice meaning i can do this too oh we're on this journey together so i think what you just said is such an important one i know we're close to time i had one mimetic desire by the way dude yes wa wanting the lewis borges book is yes. fantastic yeah that's all about this yeah i did not know what i wanted until i saw dave do it. yeah it's but it had to be Dave. Yeah. It, it wasn't, that was my point. It, I liked the story of Twitch. Yeah. But it wasn't the right story for me because he yeah. wasn't actually a peer. Yeah. So I'm hoping cool. that sharing this story and like getting people to know that I'm not a fucking genius, right? Yeah. Like I'm just yeah. a guy here hustling. Okay. Pretty smart dude. I got a lot of energy, whatever. But hopefully that makes me seem like more of a peer, right? Yeah. And granted, I haven't made it there. It's looking pretty good right now. A lot yeah. is in our favor. We bootstrapped 20 million ARR. Like we will probably double twice doing exactly what we're doing now and do yeah. other shit. Yeah. That's my, for my ego, I want to bootstrap a hundred million ARR. Yeah, yeah. That would be wonderful. Yeah. I don't really care other than that, but like I was a, both get emails and Robley were totally stuck at 250 K yeah. MRR. I was trying to start a different company. Dave and I thought we were these lifestyle business guys and that's who we were. And that's where we fit into this whole tech thing. Yeah. And now I'm on a totally different path and I don't know, my mind changed, right? Like it's everything. Uh, it's literally everything. My mindset is, it's funny. My son is three and a half and I told him the other day, he said, oh, it's impossible. And I said, nothing's impossible. And he, yeah. All he says this to me now, whenever I'm like, hey, we can't do that. He goes, nothing's impossible. Nothing's right. impossible. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to say for him to not say that. He can say that to me whenever he wants, because if this gets baked into him at three years old, that nothing's impossible as long as you find a way and you're open, like he's going he's gonna to change the world. Because I didn't think that way from that. There was all these, like you were talking about, limiting kind of self-beliefs. They have nothing to, like, they have no basis in reality whatsoever. If you're willing to do the work, the yeah. work necessary and have the mind to be open to what's going on and the signals that you're getting. One question I had from you is totally technical. And I, then we'll close off with a couple of quick questions. You were talking about Clavio owning Shopify and you guys being focused on Shopify. I kind of look at all of the different CMSs for e-commerce brands or brands in general as just distribution channels for yeah. technology like us. Shopify obviously is the sexiest, most predominant player, but if you look at market share wise, like it's still technically not that big given kind of the distribution of other companies. Is your idea to own Shopify just to say, look, we want them, like everyone to associate us through osmosis with this brand because it's so important in the marketplace or is it long-term we're going to go to all of the other ones anyway? Long-term we're going to go to the other ones. It was just the easiest place to start. Yeah. Like it's such a, it's such an incestuous yeah. And the mindsets for a product yeah. like ours. And yeah. Once one of them does it, they all want to. Yeah. There's just, there's a good agency ecosystem to distribute through. So that, that's a starting point. 
And we're really not dialed to sell the bigger companies yet. We're not SOC 2. Like we haven't yeah. got all our other ESP integrations fully functional yet. So yeah. it's just Clavis Shopify. Is, it is a huge market. Yeah. There's probably like 10,000 stores that we could sell to that are yeah. excellent fit. Yeah. And we can probably get 2,000 of them in the next 24 months, which is like a real yeah. business. So that's why. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. 100% have plans to like move up, move sideways, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I was looking at this like lower minimum scope. It's just easier to get to because the community is more vibrant. It makes more sense. Yeah. People are more open. Yeah. So totally agree with you there. So we're going to go to anti-rapid fire, close off. So anti-rapid fire starts with, uh, and you've probably said this already during this call, but if you have it, what do you think your best quality is? That's your zone of genius. Probably my, I think optimism and enthusiasm, definitely. And then, man, I just, I'll just fucking try anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think anything's correct. Yeah. I'm not bothered. Like this content stuff doesn't fucking, even though I've never done it before, it doesn't bother yeah. me. Like, I, yeah, I'll literally do whatever to yeah. see if it works. And I don't mind being very different from what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm drawn to that. Yeah. Um, no, it, cut, it cuts through completely, completely yeah. agree with you. And then I think I'm able to be like quite empathetic with and build a lot of trust with the executive team that yeah. is around me. So yeah. business-wise, I would say that's it. That's it. What is the, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I don't know, man. Early to bid, early to, early to rise, work like hell and advertise. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Off. Yeah, there you go. There <laughs> goes. The Maverick, the Maverick himself. Yeah. You ever read his biographies? Wild. No, his life, I, I wild. should read. So. And then last one, you've given this kind of throughout, you've given this on all of your channels, but like succinctly or however you think about it, 22 year old person who wants to do this, what's the best piece of advice you could give them or something that they should hold on to if on their journey through growing? I think you, if you want to end up here, you need to think about your career as a set of skills that you're accumulating. I wouldn't start being an entrepreneur right out of college. It was very hard for me coming from something totally unrelated to like where I'm now. I just, in the last couple of years, feel if my business went to zero, I'm 100% confident that I could start another one and it would work. Couple of years, right? I would say get a job, become incredibly good at sales or product or engineering on someone else's nickel, get in an environment where people are operating excellently with a company that's going for it. Yeah. And don't just start being an entrepreneur. And then the yeah. time will come while you understand a market, a product, you'll have the skills, you'll be a compelling enough person to draw a good co-founder in. And then you will have a much better chance of succeeding than, yeah. than if you just start from college or whatever. This was, a, this was a fucking blast. I really appreciate you. Appreciate you what you do for the ecosystem, but this was such a fun, just sit back and listen conversation. Thank you. Where should people interact with you or reach out? So LinkedIn, I'm doing a ton of stuff. Adam Robinson, retention.com. Yeah. Also on Twitter, retention Adam. Yeah. Retention.com is our website. Adam at retention.com if you want to email me. That's where All right. Appreciate it, Adam. Thanks, Thank Chase.